RMA would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Dharawal people. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to other Aboriginal people listening today. And I think a lot of women go through that stage of, you know, maybe in the last trimester and then after they've had the, the baby for those, you know, six months around that time where, you know, you're questioning, will I ever be able to do this again? You've got no idea what your body, how your body's going to respond or what you're going to be able to do. And it, it can be really daunting and, you know, people are sort of holding on to the fact that of their identity as a runner. But I think we need to remember that, yeah, that's not everything and there's so much more to life as well and, um, you know, <laughs> there's there's benefits to it but it, it's not a be-all and all you know there's, there's been eight years left to to get back into it and yeah yeah that's right it's, it's really a really short period of time in the grand scheme of things at the time it feels like it's so long um but you know when I look back now I've got two little boys and it feels like forever ago you know and I'm back I'm back on the world stage and it's yeah it's really interesting how the how your mind works Hi, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a very special guest for you, Kelly Angel. Kelly is one of Australia's most well-known and best troll and ultra running athletes. Having extensive racing experience and representation for Australia in many championships events, both here and overseas. Most recently, Kelly competed in the 2023 World Mountain Trail Running Championships in Austria Then she stayed in Europe and trained and did some extra races where she just competed in the Lavarito Ultra Trail in the Dolomites in Italy and culminated her experience over there with the 100Ks, the Triple C event at UTMB in Chamonix. And like in all of these races, she just shows us what an amazing athlete she is. I mean, at the World Trail Running Championships, she was 41st female She came second place in the 80K at Lavarito and then 17th place in the 100K at UTMB, which is just incredible for someone who's just run their longest race to date since having her children and also only 12 months after her little boy Huxley was born. So huge accomplishment for this athlete and we should be celebrating her achievements, which we're doing today on this podcast. On top of that, Kelly is an occupational therapist as her day job. She also has a PhD in exercise prescription and she's a level three Athletics Australia coach. She coaches under her family business, Endurance Edge. They also provide the T8 run gear for Australia. So, so many things to discuss with Kelly today. We talk extensively about her journey to ultra running and trail running and also about her segue into motherhood and how that challenged her and inspired her to continue on her running journey. We talk a little bit about how women can get back into running after having a baby and Kelly is very passionate about talking about returning to running postpartum. So we talk a little bit about that as well. And then we discuss her experiences over in Europe, training and racing in these amazing mountain races. And on top of that, we discuss how she has such a beautiful, adventurous life with her family and how you can maybe have a life like that as well, traveling with kids and how she makes that happen. 
You're just going to love this podcast episode. Kelly is very lovely to talk to, and I hope you just love hearing about her story as much as I did. Let me introduce you to Kelly Angel. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks, and Physiocram has our back. To get your own Physiocram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find Physiocram at your local pharmacy. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on, been meaning to have you on the podcast for a long time. And I was thinking about that today and I actually thought it's the perfect time to have you on the podcast because I've been following your journey for a very, very long time before you even became a mum. And I think we're at just such a great point in your running career now and in your mum career, I should say, um, <laughs> to to interview you and find out all about you as a runner and a person. Um, and you're just so knowledgeable in the sport as well. So I wanted to tap into your brain about that. Uh, and I've discussed this with you off air, um, you know, in the past about how I want to sort of talk to you about returning to running after having babies and things like that. So you're a great person to have on to share all about that. You're really, really uh, versed in this area. You've done a lot of research and I just think it's, you know, it's invaluable that the stuff you can bring to our community. So thanks for coming. I know you've just got back from overseas, so I really appreciate your time. But I wanted to say to those people that don't know who you are that you have been a distance runner for a very, very long time um, and you've worked your way up uh, to running on the world stage through ultra trail marathons and um, things like that. And you've represented Australia many times as well uh, here and overseas and just most recently over in Europe for the World Mountain Trail Running Championships and also you just competed at Chamonix in U2MB, 100Ks um, and also you also, I mean, there was many races. It was hard to keep up. I was following going, here. where, where is she now? Um, also, you did the, I not, might not pronounce this right, Lavarito Ultra Trail in the Dolomites in Italy as well. And I was following on and it just looks so incredible. So we'll be diving into that part of your journey as well. But before we talk about all of the things that have most recently happened, let's just go back to the beginning, I really like to interview my guests and find out where this journey started for them. So can you tell me, like, where were you raised, I guess, and was sport or running a part of your life when you were younger? So, th- yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, <laughs> I, I grew up in, in Montana South in, in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne um, with my mum and dad and brother and sister. And um, sport was always a pretty big part of our life, but never really running so I always played team sports um netball basketball I played rep basketball I was probably better at netball um I never I always liked doing everything so I never really became excellent at anything because I just like to share the love so um I never really focused on on one thing um and it wasn't until later that I actually started running um probably my late teens mm-hmm. okay I really like to hear where people started because sometimes Two, the team sport element of our childhood, I guess, can help us in our running journeys as well. Um, and yeah, 
if we're passionate about sport, that can take many forms. So I like to find out some people come from no sport and into running, and then I like to find out that other people do really weird and interesting sports as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thanks for sharing that. Um, so what what motivates you? This is a question I wanted to ask you. Um, what motivates you to get out and run? I mean, obviously you you started probably not running ultra marathons, but what motivates you now to get out and run? Yeah, look, I, I think for me, the number one thing is that I, you know, I'm a typical type A personality. I like um, the challenge of, of of trying to improve myself and, and taking on things that I'm not sure if are, are possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the day-to-day, you know, purpose that running gives me. It gets me out of the house. Um, now it's a chance to get away from the kids and have some quiet time without mum, mum, mum. Yeah, and, and just staying fit and it's it's just part of our lifestyle, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, and we'll totally be diving into that because you guys have a really active, adventurous lifestyle and I've got questions around that because I love watching your journey with your family because you really involve them in all the things that you do and obviously you kind of have to because at the age where they kind of come yeah. um but <laughs> you can't leave them at home um like me but um yeah like it's 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 really good that you do that because they're watching and they're learning all these new experiences and you're taking them along for the journey and you know I see the them participate as well like and I just think it's incredible um the life that you're sharing with your kids and yeah you just don't know where that might take them I mean I I I say on this podcast a few times that I did used to get my kids running and I was doing events when they were little um now they hate running but (laughs) they're kind of coming back around my son's 22 now and he's just competed in his first race since being little last year so you never know you know what that might mean to them later in life. Yeah. Um, so in terms of running and getting into running, you said you dabbled in it a little bit when you were a teen, but when was your first event, I guess, as an adult and what was that experience like for you, if you can remember that? Yeah, the first main event that I remember was um, Run for the Kids. Um, my cousin had just come off a, a reality TV show and was um, doing it as a bit of a, a publicity thing and um, asked me to join him. Um, so... Yeah, I clearly remember running that with him. I'd never run that before, that distance before in my life. Um, I remember chatting to a lot of people along the way and getting some lollies off some old bloke that had done it a million times. And it was just a really great experience. And um, yeah, I really, I, I didn't realize how naturally it would come to me. Um, and I think that was 14 or 15 Ks at the time. And because I ran that far, I thought, oh, well, I might as well do a half marathon. And um, I signed up to run Melbourne later that year and I went and joined the, the training squad um, that was affiliated with the event, which was running in the Burbs. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they they were such a supportive group and, and it just all progressed from there. Mm. Enablers in the group probably. <laughs> Them that enabled the, uh, the first few marathons and then Oxfam Trail Walker and then it just escalated. <laughs> And now here we are. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I'd like one word that, you know, stands out there is community because, you know, as distance runners especially too, I think that community forms so much of what we do. Definitely. And when I say enablers, like that's just what community are. They're like 
they build us up and support us and bring us together and challenge us and and yeah we can do it together even though sometimes people think running is, is a solo sport it's really not like it's there's so much about running that is community did you find uh, that in your journey yeah. Yeah, completely. I think that's been a, a massive part of it for me. It's definitely not a solo sport for me. Um, yeah. you know, I much prefer to run with other people and, um, yeah, from running in the burbs to coaching my run groups through Two Times You and through some other other various avenues and um, the latest one is um, building a, a local trails and hours group in the Dandenong Ranges. So, yeah, for me it's, it's very much about the community. Mm, 100% love that. So you went from running, I guess, a road race um, to finding trails. How long after you sort of started running did you find trails and what sort of did that spark in you in terms of trail running? Yeah, so I guess uh, it was probably a couple of years. Um, I, I did a couple of marathons and then we signed up for Oxfam Trail Walker and then um signed up to a couple of trail events as as training runs for for that so I think two bays was my first ever trail race and again it was all about community it was the funnest event I'd ever done I was like you know high-fiving 100 people down the road yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just really enjoyable and and I loved every part of it I um, loved being out in nature and taking the pressure off you know a, a, looking at pace and things and um and just having fun so i just yeah again i found that the distance came pretty naturally and i just started competing a little bit more and getting a bit longer and yeah yeah i mean that that wouldn't have happened overnight i guess but like if we fast forward to now and you have represented australia many times in ultra trail running and trail running um I guess they're two different things. It's not always ultra when you're on trails, so that's why I wanted to separate those. Um, and, like, how did, in a, in a nutshell, how did that progression happen for you from going from someone who was sort of just running with their trail running group or whatever to actually thinking, hang on a minute, I've actually got some talent here and I need to harness that. Maybe you worked with a coach or whatever and then progressing into being able to compete for your country. Yeah, so... Um, after doing trail walker and yeah, doing those events as training runs, I guess I, I, I did okay in them. And then, um, mostly early on, it was all through the trails plus events. Um, and I just, yeah, I I found myself on the podium a few times and, and realized that, okay, maybe this is something that I want to pursue a little bit more. And, um, I, ne- I always remember looking at some other friends who who competed at a higher level and thinking, why would anyone want to run seven days a week? Why would anyone ever want to run twice a day in one day? <laughs> I, I really didn't think that would ever be me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was just an, a natural progression, I guess. And um, I didn't really seek a coach until probably a few, quite a few years in. I, I've been... I've been at the at a high competitive level probably for close to ten years now. Um, yeah, yeah. It was probably not for a few years, and and then I I had Brendan Davies as a coach for for quite some time, and uh, and that's when my own coaching career started as well. So I, I started coaching um, with him. Yep. Um, yeah, and then one thing led to another and I had the opportunity to represent Australia and 
Um, that was my first time. I was back in 2015 in, in Annecy in France. And it's I've represented five times now in either trail or mountain running world champs. Mm. What was that first experience like going over to France and representing Australia? Can you think back to like the feelings that were going through your head? Yeah, it was it was so special. It was so special. I, I don't think I ever really thought that I would be capable of representing my country in, in any sport. Um, mm. so it was, you know, it was it was awesome. And it was it was such a great team of people, um, and and I actually did really well. Like I did, you know, better than I ever thought I would. I think I got a top twenty in my first one. I've never been able to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, it was it was incredible because it was. I think it was an eighty kilometer race, and you know, the first climb was eighteen k's long. Like we just don't get that sort of right. thing. Here. So you know, it really helped shape my career I guess because it changed my perspective on things and it it yeah. encouraged me to start traveling and and um putting myself against the best in the world mm. and I mean mountain running has just come such a long way probably even since then like you know in terms of the breadth of the sport and just the exposure to the sport has grown so much as well so exciting to be able to watch it like actually <laughs> as you're racing now um you know back then like Obviously, Australia is so different to Europe and the mountains. Like, how how did you train back then for that race when you didn't have mountains like that? Yeah, look, I live at the base of the Dandenong Ranges. Um, it's funny coming back home this time again and looking at it going, oh, my goodness, it's so small. <laughs> Little mountain. <laughs> um, but, look, it's just making the most of what you've got and doing repeats and trying to... Uh, go away for some adventures occasionally to get some longer hills and you know you just got to work with what you got <clears throat> yeah. yeah yeah and was Teagues on the scene back then uh yes that was hold on yeah 215 yes <laughs> yeah. yeah and and that first event my whole family came and surprised me the night before and um yeah that was completely unexpected and and really beautiful <clears throat> uh well that was one of my questions later on that I have for you because sounds like your family pretty special people and they went and did that again this time. So, <laughs> yeah, like, and that's that's really important, especially if you're competing in that level to have such a supportive network of people around you. And we'll get into that about motherhood as well because we need them and we rely on them to help us, um, especially at your level of training and working. You know, you're not just a full-time athlete. You also work as well. Um both of you and you both train as well and compete so yeah. <laughs> so you know in terms of ultra marathon running um it can be pretty physically obviously demanding but it can be mentally demanding too um how do you stay motivated when obstacles come your way i mean things can happen in training setbacks injuries maybe you're just having a really bad race like how do you get through hard moments yeah um, I think I've been I've been pretty lucky to be pretty consistent with my training and and staying pretty injury free. Touch wood. Um, but there's definitely hard moments. Um, you know, I for example, I I hate training through Melbourne winter. I hate. Mm -hmm. I've become a real fair weather runner, especially in the last three months. I was too. We had thirty degree weather every single yeah. day. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so, you know, one way I, I stay motivated is to literally line different people up <laughs> for different nights of the week to stay accountable and to keep it interesting and um, to get me out of the door and I have to be out there at this time. Um, and you never regret it once you get out there and you always feel good after and you always enjoy it once you're there. So it's just yeah. you know, that, 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 that initial initial um, push that you need sometimes. Mm. Um, I've definitely had my fair share of tough races, um, but I always manage to get through them. Um, it's just, you know, reminding yourself that you're gonna have you're gonna have shit periods during the race, and that you can always. I know that I can push through it, and I will always come out the other side and feel better. And I know that I'll, you know, I'll be able to finish strong eventually, and mm. and feel good finishing and and getting through it. So. Mm. Yeah. just remembering what the good times feel like and and believing in yourself that you can get past the hard times <clears throat> yeah and I think it's also building on those times like you do look back at times when it was hard I guess and remember that and build on those moments as well like you know if we're having a hard race we can think back to a time when it was hard like you know and how we got through or even when it was easier and how you know we want you know it to be better in terms of our mindset I don't know I mean I think as Completely. we get you know, further into the sport in terms of our experience that can help shape our mindset when harm moments come as well. Like often people ask me, you know, people who don't run, um, you know, how long have you been training for this race for? And they were my whole life, you yeah. know, each race in this sport, each race is a progression on the last and you learn, you know, whether it's physical or mental, or, you know, there's something that you take away from the previous experience and, and just keep building to, to better yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure your athletes that you coach as well would love that advice. Like, and you can help them, you know, um, in terms of times when it gets tough for them as well. Like, you know, in terms of how to how to change their mindset and improve on their, their performance for next time where, where it might have gone wrong, that kind of thing. Yep, for sure. Um, so, you know, at the moment we're talking a little bit more about training and things like that, but we're going to get into motherhood and stuff like that. But I wanted to ask, like, I asked the group, what kind of questions they wanted to ask you. And one of them was around nutrition. Um, and everyone's very different with their nutrition um, and also their recovery. Um, are you like, what kind of nutrition strategy do you use? Are you like plant-based? Do you eat anything? Like, do you drink alcohol? Like so many people have different strategies. Some people don't even care. They just look at Courtney DeWalter. She just eats like tacos and things when she runs like I don't know what's your strategy I like to say I have a seafood diet I seafood and I eat it but <laughs> yeah. so I, I I love food I have a great relationship with food um I've been lucky to you know never have any issues with, with red S or anything like that um yeah. I have you know I there's nothing that I really don't eat um I've probably gone I've had a few gut issues over the years and now leading up to a race so I'll go low FODMAP for a few days um and try and be yeah a bit a bit cleaner that way um that seems to have helped a lot um but otherwise yes i drink alcohol yes i eat chocolate most days um you know i think it's just having a healthy balance and not being too stressed about it for me has been something that's just worked yeah yeah, yeah. there's times you know there's times where i'm at a high intensity of training and i might start to notice that i've that i'm really lean sometimes that'll come from friends just dropping com comments you know you're, you're looking really thin at the moment and you know sometimes that's a trigger to go okay i need to add a heap more more carbs into my meals mm -hmm. um 
you know, I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that Tegan does most of the cooking. Um, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and there's been times where he's gone um, like low carb, high fat type thing. And that hasn't worked for me. Like I've, no I've noticed pretty quickly that I've, I'm starting to lose weight. So I just got to add a whole heap more carbs into my meals. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you are a leaner runner, like, but like, do you find that helps you in terms of moving over mountains? I mean, it's interesting. And I don't want to actually focus on people's body uh, yeah. at all, but like, it's interesting seeing people who are racing the different body types anyway. I mean, you have people that are obviously more muscular and then you have leaner people like what, what do you think helps you in terms of getting over mountains in terms of your body composition <laughs> really not something that I think about too much yeah. to be honest. like I you know I don't jump on the scales very often yeah. every now and then just to get a gauge of where I'm at but it's not something that I focus on yeah. I think it's just you know if I can move well and um i'm staying injury free and that's what's important to me yeah and i love that in terms of this space with women in endurance sport at the moment we are seeing a different array of people that are coming through and the focus isn't on weight or the way people look it's about you know performance and it's about how they feel and that's one of the messages i try and convey with RMA is that it's got nothing to do with what we look like. It's about how we feel, you know, what we get out of our running and our journey. So, yeah, and I, I've loved that the space is changing and that people are actually noticing there's been issues in terms in the past with how people have, you know. Yeah, totally. And, and like we're lucky that there's so much more research and education about Red S now and people yeah. are much, you know, better at actually talking about having a, a period and cycle. Yes. Um, yeah, as I said, I, I've been lucky to not have issues with that, but and you know, I didn't have any issues falling pregnant and things and yeah. that sort of stuff. I'm I'm really proud of that I've been able to maintain a healthy balance, but yeah, yeah. 100%. So, can you share with us, like, I mean, there's probably so many memorable moments in your running career, um, but what sort of moment maybe had a significant impact on your career moving forward? Yeah, for me, um coming fifth at UTMB in 2017. I, I'm still clinging on to this even though it was six years ago. <laughs> but it was the most exciting moment of my career. Um, you know, we had horrendous weather. Um, that was the one time that I think training through the Melbourne winter actually helped me. Um, we had minus 10 overnight and blizzards. And then once I thought it was getting better, once the sun came up, it actually got worse and I got stuck on another blizzard on the top of Grand Col Foray, which is the highest point of the race. And wow. um, But I just managed to keep going and, and just, you know, slowly make my way through the field. And um, it came down to <laughs> the last couple of K and um, a friend had, had climbed up the mountain and uh let me know that i had two minutes you know i was two minutes behind the the fifth girl and he's like you know you gotta go for it no nah, nah, i'm done like i've just run 168 or something. <laughs> no no you gotta go for it and something just switched in my brain and i you know i ran over this really technical terrain downhill and um and i got over the about a k to go and um and came in fifth and yeah it was just it was just awesome. <laughs> I remember that. I was following along that race. And I remember 
Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of people following on that race. And I think that's what made it so much more exciting too. It was just there was so much support back home and, and there. And, yeah, yeah it, it still gives me chills. <laughs> do you love the racing aspect? Like, do you love, like, like really competing hard? Like, you know, to yeah. pass someone with just, you know, so close to the end, like, does that really spur you on in any event when you know yeah, yeah. you can, yeah? Yeah, totally, yeah. You got a bit of a competitive side, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to to run at your level. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't run at your level. <laughs> I'm like, no, it'll be right. I'll just, just plod along. <laughs> anyway, no, I love that. It, 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 builds the, it, it helps build the excitement, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Mm. Um, all right. So have you any? Have you had to deal with any, like, significant injuries or anything like that in your career? No. no. I'm very, very lucky. Good. I don't like talking about it. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> yeah, let's not. Um, let's but, yeah, look, I think the, the worst one I've had is probably just some pretty bad planter yeah planter at one point yeah. uh, which developed funnily enough because I I went on a pretty hard run on a trail and I got back to my car and looked down and there were two different shoes sitting in my on the on the passenger seat why are there two shoes and then I looked down on my feet and realized that I had two completely different shoes on and <laughs> I hadn't realized for the entire run and uh yeah I think it just I think that that uh that and it took me about six months to get rid of that but um yeah otherwise I've I've been very lucky I think I've been I, I think I've just been really smart as well about managing load and um not doing too much so you know yeah. if you compare me to many other ultra runners around the world my mileage is probably quite low um mm-hmm. but um I think that's helped me stay injury free and it's helped me stay sane and it's um, you know, the fact that I have to work and, and have a busy life and things, I think that all actually helps in a, in yeah. a positive Yeah. I mean, in terms of your athletes that you coach, like what's a, the advice that you give them in terms of staying injury-free? Do you, you know, focus a lot on, you know, obviously we've got all the pillars like nutrition and recovery. Like I guess balance is is important, right? Definitely, definitely. And I, I try to take a very holistic approach and look at all of their life stresses and it's not just about running, um, you know, what are they doing in their day-to-day life. Yeah. Um, I also have a lot of older athletes, you know, who are, you know, pushing, you know, past the age of 40 or so. Hey. <laughs> you can't be old. <laughs> it's all right. I know, ma'am. I feel old. But, but, you know, it's managing that load. Lots of them can't manage running six or seven days a week now I can't no can we you know do some cross training can we get on the bike can we go for a swim do some some other form of aerobic training to take some of that load off and I you know a lot of my athletes are doing that now I think that's a a real key component to their training absolutely it's it's a hard place to be actually as like when I think back to like 10 years ago like not even 10 like five years ago four years ago able to just back up back up ultra and ultra and just six days a week running and there is no way I can do that anymore I'm 46 almost 47 and my body just cannot do that anymore and I've actually really embraced these last few years just to balance in my training I find one I'm happier (laughs) 
I've got more time. Um, but I do feel stronger in in I'm not stronger in my performance, but my I don't base my running on performance anymore. But I just feel like I've got the longevity. I'll have the longevity, and that's what I want is the longevity. And I think some people forget that they kind of think there's this cookie cutter approach to running and there isn't and I think that's what's the beauty of working one-on-one with a coach right is you can work within all of your life stresses and goals um, and have a bit more of a balanced approach but yeah I rarely other than recently when I probably did too much um, had I'm not injured it was only this is like I did my back a few months ago that was the first injury I've had for quite a while and that was I think to be honest, to do with stress more than anything else. Um, okay. So how do you balance your busy life? Because obviously you train hard. You have a family, young family, two little boys. Like one's only just one. Uh, and then how old's at, at he's like It'll be three next three, right? This one. Yep. Yeah, so Atticus is three, Huxley's just turned one, you have a husband, you're an OT as well, you're still on maternity leave, about to go back to work. But how do you balance, like, when you are working and trying to fit all this in and your husband also trains and competes? So how do you guys fit everything in? What's the secret answer? Very good question. <laughs> now, look, it, it's hard, it's challenging um, at times, but I think, you know, like they say, give something to a busy person and you'll get it done. Um, I think being busy helps us have structure and we just have to do things when we have the chance and you can't, you know, you can't um, get complacent about things. You're just, you know, um, trying to do things, you know, it either comes down to motivation or might be trying to do something on the way home before you pick up the kids from childcare or, um, you know, we, we go to parkrun as a family on a Saturday that helps get us up in the morning and, and get us going and, um, uh, you know, Tegan travels a lot for work so it becomes harder when he's not around, especially with the two kids. So um, it's, you know, not seeing pram running as a... Um, you know something that's really annoying but you just got to say well this is my actually an opportunity to get out and this is making me stronger as well so you know trying to view things in a in a different light and um yeah just finding any way that you can to to get out yeah Yeah. actually I I, my parents traveled for the last six months so I borrowed that treadmill but I really I only used it once To, to just get out and, and the boys enjoy being outdoors as well. So, yeah. Yeah. One of my athletes runs with her two kids in the pram all the time. She's amazing. I don't know how she does that <laughs> pushing the pram up. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> I didn't run when my kids were that little with prams. So, I don't know what that's like, but it's pretty good seeing mums pushing those kids up hills. <laughs> Makes you strong. <laughs> pretty amazing. Yeah. You, I think that's the key, right? Is for, mums all mums you just got to do what works for you and your family and it does help if you do have support and help um obviously and yeah just a good husband that you know a partner that's gonna help tag team as well and and yeah it it gets done eventually no matter how and I think you know, we're lucky that we have a really good understanding of how each other works and we know that we're both better if we get out for a trip for a run and yeah. Um, yeah We just, we make it work. Yeah. So in terms of preparing mentally for these big races, 
like how do you mentally prepare? One of the girls I was talking to this morning who I coach, she's done the, she's doing Sydney Marathon and she really got a lot out of the, um, I think, what was it called? Oh, I don't even think what it was called, but Eloise Wellings did it. It was a marathon mindset course or something like that. And she loved it. Is there something that you do to prepare mentally for these big races? Not really. Hey, like? so, never really. I think, you know, I have a pretty ingrained determination <clears throat> and, and drive and that that helps um but I don't really do any sort of meditation or you know mindset training as such I think I just prepare as well as I can and I control the variables that I can control and if I've done the preparation that's needed then I, I have confidence that I can I can get through things mm-hmm. um yeah you know in an ultra there's so many variables that you can't control as well so if you can make sure that you've done what you can to to control the controllables and you know you're putting your yourself in the best position to to be able to finish and finish well and I guess when you went over there and you know we'll get into that later but when you went over there to Europe this time around you did get a chance to train on some of those places so I guess that kind of helps mentally prepare you for what you're about to experience Um, so that that's helpful (laughs) um especially I mean I can imagine those mountains can look I mean they're amazing but they be quite daunting actually oh, they're, they're very intimidating for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's so it's just so different to to training here yeah um, you know and you've got you've got 1600 meter climbs you know yeah. you've got, you know yeah climbs that go for kilometers and kilometers it just doesn't happen here yeah um, yeah so. do you ever worry like you know you're talking about your first experience with the weather at UTMB and do you ever like worry for your safety like when you're out there on those mountains uh occasionally yeah I guess it's something when we traveled before kids it's, uh, you know those are the sort of gnarly places that Tegan would take me so I, yes. you know I have a lot of experience in going to some places that I wouldn't necessarily have gone on my own whereas this trip because we had to tag team all the time I was out on my own a lot um and there were times where you'd you know there were many times we'd map something um on all trails or something and you'd come to dead ends or (laughs) or, you know you couldn't actually find a trail so um you know hopefully you'd have reception and I'd call Tegan and say no this isn't going to work can you map me something else and you know sometimes we would map me something totally different while I'm standing on the top of a mountain (laughs) (laughs) and you know one day I was up and I could see I was following this ridge line and I could see the mountains in the distance and there was this one I was thinking there is no way I'm going up that like surely we're going to peel off before that and I got to it and no it went straight up the side of this cliff <laughs> I'm climbing oh, up, I'm up oh my god uh, I don't know if I should still be doing this <laughs> <laughs> just sort of go a little bit further and see and um you know I came out the other side and it was it was fine uh, <laughs> There was, you know, there was another day uh, actually on the CCC route, uh, UTMB hadn't updated their maps Um, and luckily I was with another friend and we came to the the trail and um, it was closed. We we didn't really know the way around and so we'll just just go through and just, you know, if if it gets too hairy, we'll turn around and... um, we came across this massive landslide. Um, it should looked like it'd been there for a little while. You could just see a trail over it. I was like, oh, we'll just see if we can get over it, you know. And um, 
we both got through and then and celebrated and then rounded the corner and it was 10 times worse if you didn't leave street out and trees out and, and more landslides and so we had to turn around and going back the other way was very very hairy and I was scared for my life <laughs> so I learned very quickly that closed trails in France are very different to closed trails in Australia and yeah not go over them <laughs> <laughs> yeah a little bit more risk of dying perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> one risk you don't want to take when you're a mum <laughs> anyway let's talk about that now so becoming a mum um I really want to discuss this with you uh and I know you're passionate about talking about motherhood and returning to running and you've shared a lot of your journey as you return to running after both your kids um extensively actually on your social media so those that want to go back and have a look at some of your posts previously um can follow that but you ran when with your first child Atticus you ran when you were pregnant with him and then again with Huxley so tell us about that experience like obviously you were racing and training and then you like I don't know did you plan to fall pregnant did you fall pregnant suddenly not even on the agenda um and then what kind of approach did you choose towards your training when you knew that you were pregnant the first time around yeah so um I very clearly remember running UTMB for the second time in 2019 and suffering uh I had a few problems with my kidneys and things and um I I said to Tegan during the race okay I think it's time that we have a baby now (laughs) I need a break (laughs) and um I, I still had aspirations for Western States and so we sort of we waited for the lottery and I, I missed out and so I thought, okay, maybe it's maybe it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I managed to get an entry through the Ultra Trail World Tour. So the mindset suddenly switched again and um, I was in full preparation mode. I think I just found out um, that I was in in January and... Um, yeah, I was I was set on building a plan and 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 getting there in June that year, <clears throat> and then a few weeks later I found out I was pregnant. So <laughs> which mindset again? So it was this big roller coaster of what am I doing? <laughs> mm. um, and uh, you know, of course, I was so excited to be pregnant, but um, it was also devastating because I'd only just got my head back in the game about about doing this race. So, yeah. um, and then. Um, and of course, by then I told everyone that I was doing Western States. So everyone was asking me how my training was going and what the plan was, and you know, trying to keep the fact that I was pregnant quiet and pretending that I was still doing Western States. And you know, it's just it's stupid. Mm. It's just so stupid. Um, but in the end, um, COVID happened, and the race didn't go ahead anyway. And I, you know, it, it, the timing actually all worked out really perfectly for me. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I kept training. I just listened to my body and slowly reduced as it didn't feel as well. Um, I walked a lot. I, um, you know, I started getting on the bike. Um, we were pretty heavily restricted here in Melbourne with COVID as well. So um, in a way that it, it kind of helped because I wasn't missing out on races yeah. and things that weren't happening. Yeah. Um, and Tegan had actually bought me a um a smart trainer for the bike um, because I was pregnant, um, which ended up the best thing possible at that time with COVID. Um, and I um, I hooked up a few times a week with some of the athletes that I coached and with some other friends and we'd ride together. Um, and, 
yeah, it, 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 I ran up until probably 36 weeks, but, you know, it was a run, shuffle, walk yeah. by then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was a, again, it gave me some purpose to my day and particularly when we couldn't do much else at that time and um, it kept me fit and yeah, um, I think it gave me a, a good chance of getting back to it once once I was ready afterwards. <laughs> do you think it helped you, like, staying so active throughout your pregnancy in terms of, like, your delivery as well and your birth? Um, I like to think so, but it, it probably wasn't the easiest birth. I had a lot of, uh, I had a few issues, um, you know, going into it. But I think mentally, you know, it helps stay strong and, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but I think. Um, yeah, so Hux was the same. I, I, I think I got to about the same um, time running, hobbling mm-hmm. within as, as well. Um, but I had more opportunity um, to to do other things to, to say race. Um, so I'd found out um, probably five weeks that I was pregnant, and um, I had a whole heap of races lined up because I was trying to get back into Western states, and so I had to do Surf Coast as a qualifier. And um, yeah, so that was it was kind of hard making that decision like I've been trying to build up after Addy um, to run the 100k and um, you know you never know what's if the pregnancy is gonna gonna um, all go well so you're sort of trying to trying to make those calls but in the end I I dropped back and did the <clears throat> the 50k instead <laughs> dropped back to just the 50 <laughs> <laughs> but I ran um, yeah so so early pregnancy I ran roller coaster 12k GSER 28k and um, Surf Coast 50, mm-hmm. and I won all of them and had oh, really good performances. Correct. Um, and no all the hormones. For any of them, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I, you know, it, it's hard making that call because it's it's just you know, lo- yeah. from lots of perspectives, it's a social no-no. And if something had gone wrong with the pregnancy, you know, you, you know, you worry that people are gonna gonna frown upon you for for running that far and doing these things but you know i i spoke very clearly with my obstetrician physio i looked at all the research i spoke to all my medical doctor friends about it um and there's really there was nothing stopping me from doing it um nothing concerning you know um as long as i just you know stay stay pretty controlled and that's what i did and yeah and you know your body better than anybody like you know you know your body you know what it can handle better than anybody especially yep. if you'd been running prior to that as well um and that's it and I was building up for 100k like I was very fit I was very in very good condition and, and ready for it so yeah, yeah that's right what's mm-hmm. your advice on in terms of okay obviously it's a bit different for you a lot of people, everybody's different, right? But what's your advice to people after having a baby in terms of returning to running? Yeah, so I guess I, I take a pretty scientific approach because I, I do have a PhD and that's how yeah. my brain operates. But um, there are uh, return to running postnatal guidelines um, that I followed for both pregnancies. So I, I didn't start running again until 12 weeks for, for both, after both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the meantime, I joined a um, postnatal mums and bubs class like Pilates class um, I just did lots of walking and started doing some strength work and just kept it all really low impact and uh, some, some some spin spin bike and still using lift and things um, and then yeah from the 12 week mark I literally started with a couch to 5k 
So I just built up really slowly. I'll probably increase that um, uh, a little bit quicker than the eight weeks it's recommended. So I'll probably do the first eight weeks over six, six weeks. Um, and then once I was sort of running, the, you know, 30 minutes a day consistently, then I was able to increase it and, and set a few goals to work towards. And I think that helped um, help the progression and, yeah, yeah, help me, help kept me um, motivated to, to work towards something. Yeah. And did you have any like issues? Like I know one of the girls that I was coaching returning to running after babies, like she'd had some issues with prior to starting with her pelvic floor and things like that. And she was working closely with her physio and we just had a really good relationship about after every run, how everything felt like, did you have any issues with your pelvic floor or anything like that? coming? Yeah. Up? So I had, I had a mild prolapse after Atticus, um, yeah. probably from a multitude of factors, but it, it was, like I said before, it wasn't a very nice birth. Um, yeah. For both of vaginal births, um, but yeah. pushing for a very long time and then um, needing an episiotomy and needing um, vacuum and then my um, placenta didn't come out in one piece, so that was manually removed. And <laughs> all sorts of things. <laughs> um yeah but surprisingly yeah so I did a lot I, I worked with a physio after that and um I used a pessary for a while um and that became more just as I, when I was running so yeah it like a sports bra yep. um and eventually I found that I didn't need to use it anymore um and it actually improved after I had hucks so surprisingly, <laughs> I don't know how often that happens, but um, yeah, it, 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 luckily it hasn't been an issue since and I've been still working with the physio and I still go and see her every few months, um, particularly having, you know, done some longer races yeah. um, just to make sure that everything's on track. Um, yeah. I have some pretty severe ab separation, mm-hmm. um, which is frustrating, but it's functional. It's not an issue. Um you know, it's more just aesthetics and I have a, um, a small, well, probably two small hernias mm-hmm. as a result of that as well. Um, but, yeah, you just, I just need to focus on doing the right core exercises. I found it really interesting um, joining some, like, um, postnatal boot camps, but mm. it's been really important for me to know the research and know what's, good and bad for me because often the trainers don't have a clue Mm. um it's it's really opened my eyes up to see a trainer telling mums at six you know six weeks postpartum to do crunches and planks and all of these things that they really should not be doing um and you know I think there should be so much better education out there for women and for trainers that are educated trying to coach yeah. women um to make sure that they're doing the right things and not actually putting themselves at more at more risk of injury absolutely i mean I, my baby is now 17 my youngest i still have a bad ab separation from 17 years ago and um even recently, I had to have an operation, abdominal operation, just a laparoscopy. And then I was training after that to do Brisbane Trial Ultra, the 35K. And then two weeks later, my back went. And I guarantee you it was because of that operation where they went into my abs and yep. the strength just wasn't there. And so my core was compromised. I did that race and then bang, 
it was too much. So now my concentration is totally on getting that core strength before I build back my running. Like I'm slowly building back short runs, but I'm not going to do anything long until that core strength is back. And it's just so important. Like I just think people just, yeah, they don't focus on those little things that, you know, actually hold our body when we're running. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I I really feel that, you know, women's health physio should be a standard Mm. standard practice postpartum. Um, So many women don't realise that it's, a thing a little you know they don't know that they should go and see one so you know I, I really advocate for that um and just yeah re- having a, a good understanding yourself and having confidence to not do what the trainer's telling you like yeah you know, I, I've had to you know it's it's all on you to go actually no that's not right for me I'm gonna take a different option in that particular exercise <clears throat> so what kind of exercises do you sort of advocate for women returning obviously slowly slow progression working with a physio health women's health physio if we can but what kind of stuff do you advocate like pilates or is there like i think pilates is great um you know actually doing pelvic floor exercises and knowing how to do them properly um by seeing that that physio um yeah doing doing core exercises that are not crunches and planks um it's more about just learning how to hold the correct muscles in the right position and um yeah. yeah, they're the main things. But also, you know, being aware that, you know, if you're breastfeeding things and just from being pregnant, your joints and everything can be more lax. Um, so you're at more risk of rolling your ankles and things like that as you get back on the trails. So um, building up the strength and and um, your proprioception and things slowly as well. <clears throat> Did you breastfeed your boys? Yeah, so I breastfed Addie to about 13 months and I've only just stopped with Hux last week. Uh, at about nearly nearly 14 months so I loved breastfeeding I could only do Naomi and the other two didn't want it it was horrible <laughs> but I just loved it I didn't want to stop <laughs> just such a nice yeah. time yeah no I, I'm really proud that I got that far particularly when you know exercising and trying to juggle the timing yeah. and all of that sort of stuff um, um but it's nice to have my freedom now as well. <laughs> yeah. What kind of like nutrition did you have to like up your nutrition or anything like that consider when you're breastfeeding for you? Um, I think like I, I lost weight fairly quickly um, and then once I started training it became, you know, it, it dropped a lot more. So it was more just, again, knowing when to add more carbs in and, you know, making sure I was getting more calories and, and trying to hydrate. I'm really terrible at drinking water. So it was just making an effort to actually get, get the hydration in as well mm, true <clears throat> all right so one of the questions i have for you is every woman is different especially elite level to the everyday runner but can you provide guidance instead of setting realistic goals and expectations postpartum because we see a lot of things about like get back out there after you've had your baby and run an ultra which is fine but let's talk about realistic goals here like i guess we have to consider their past prior experience as well after before having their baby as well but how do you I guess if you've got an athlete that falls pregnant and has a baby how do you help them with setting realistic goals and expectations moving forward in their journey yeah, so I guess it, it just depends on so many factors like it, it depends you know is the baby sleeping are they breastfeeding are they actually getting good sleep and recovery um 
you know, what was their fitness like before? What were they what were they able to do before? Um, you know, I set the goal of doing CCC, of doing a 100K race, um, you know, it was at 12 months after I'd started running again. So Hux is nearly 14 months old. Um, but that's not actually appropriate for most women probably. Um, so, yeah, you just need to take all that into account and, and yeah. you know, yeah it's looking at every every person on an individual level and seeing um what would be smart to do and and reassessing those goals too like you might set that goal of an ultra at a year postpartum but you might get six months in and realize that okay maybe things aren't tracking the way that they should maybe we need to reassess those and then being being flexible about it i guess and yeah 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 and like i really think it's important that the most important thing when you've just had a baby is you and your baby like you know running's not going anywhere <laughs> it'll be there you know and and yeah it's important and it's important for for women to feel like they want to get back out there but like it will happen um yeah. and yeah i agree reassessing things they might not it might all be great on paper but it's not always going to pan out in real life and i think a lot of women go through that stage of you know maybe in the last trimester and then after they've had the, the baby for those, you know, six months around that time where, you know, you're questioning, will I ever be able to do this again? You've got no idea what your body, how your body's going to respond or what you're going to be able to do. And it, it can be really daunting and, you know, people are sort of holding on to the fact that of their identity as a runner. But I think we need to remember that, yeah, that's not everything and there's so much more to life as well and, um, you know, <laughs> there's there's benefits to it. But, it, it's not a be all end all and you know yeah. there's there's many years left to to get back into it and yeah yeah that's right it's, it's really a really short period of time in the grand scheme of things at the time it feels like it's so long um but you know when I look back now I've got two little boys and it feels like forever ago you know and I'm back I'm back on the world stage and it's yeah it's really interesting how the how your mind works <laughs> I know and you feel like you're missing out it's like it's like when you get injured or something and you have to miss out a block of training and you think it's the end of the world, but actually when you really stop and think, you think, oh, maybe that was actually a blessing. You know, I was oh. able to focus on something else at that time and, you know, it's, it's me, that's, active. Yeah, yeah. For me, that's definitely the case. Like I think I I really needed a break. Um, it had been, you know, we say this a lot in Australia, but we don't really have an off-season. So, you know, it had been a long time of, of racing and training pretty hard um and I think I was just really due for a break and and that's what I needed and it also allowed me to finish my PhD and do some other things you know so yeah so your PhD is in exercise prescription is that correct yeah so it was kind of OT physio stuff looking at exercise programs and um you know can we pick up someone's phone and film them and you know there's all the benefits of of being able to hear the therapist telling them what to do and seeing their progress over time and things like that love that that's great i love it oh so, practical. so <laughs> you're just so knowledgeable in all different things um so, <laughs> <laughs> definitely type a personality <laughs> um what do you think are the benefits like for new mums coming back to running, you know, in terms of being able to run? Like what are, obviously we've got the physical benefits, but what do you think about the mental and emotional benefits as well? And also when you talk about the community, I guess that's why I created RMA. There's a community of women that understand exactly what you're going through because they're all mums. Um, what do you think about running and how that can help women and mums returning? Yeah, you know, I think 
like I said earlier, I think it, it helps to give you some purpose to your day, you know, aside from the kids. Um, I think it, you know, it helps give you that hour or so to yourself um, to to get out. And, you know, for me, it's, I guess I, I see running as my meditation, you know, mm. just being able to switch off for a little while. Um, you know, I look at lots of my other friends who are not runners and um, they don't really have any time to themselves. They don't have anything else to focus on. You know, everything is about the kids and, it, it becomes really all-consuming and overwhelming and um, I feel lucky that I have that because my my husband understands that as well and, and that's, you know, he he supports me to have that space um, and, and to be able to, to, to work on something and, yeah. you know, your own self-progression and, uh, you know, yeah, I think there's, there's lots of benefits to it and just getting out in nature and, yeah. <laughs> do you get to run with other mums at all is there many in your area you get to run with as much as I would like to be honest um you know I, I probably don't run with many women a lot um yeah. I, I run with a lot of blokes um just I don't know it's just the way that it's the way that it's gone um but you know trying to find more women to run with occasionally it is nice but yeah it's finding finding the juggle and and people at the right paces and things and yeah um yeah Oh, well, if you're listening and you think you can keep up with Kelly, <laughs> shoot her a DM. <laughs> I'm sure that she'd love to run with you. Or yeah. even to run with the pram. That might slow you down a little. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, okay. So one question I really wanted to ask you is that many women seem to come back stronger after having kids. Do you really think that the mum strength is there like what do you think about that in terms of yourself do you feel like you've come back stronger after having kids it looks like it from the outside <laughs> I feel like it like I've got I got a 5k pb just before we went overseas yeah the time. um is there yeah. some science in that Kel I don't know we've got some pretty great role models around though like look at Jess Trengrove, Eloise Wellings you know hmm. um yeah we've, we've, Genevieve Vacaz yeah, all of them. Like we've got some really great role models in two thousand three, two thousand three, two thousand twenty-three. <laughs> Lisa Waitman, like all of them, are, yeah. like, you're killing it. It's it's really exciting, I think, and it's really, you know, it, it shows women that it's not the end. You know, yeah. there's, there's plenty more to be done after you've had kids for sure. Hundred percent. All right, let's talk about Europe now. Your recent trip, so followed intently on instagram <laughs> i was like every day seeing oh my god where is she now look at that look at that oh so nice so you recently spent a few months in europe um training and racing so preparing firstly for the world mountain trail running championships um now that distance i want to make sure i get this right so you did the 44k yep. is that mm -hmm. right you were 30 41st female uh, and then you went and did second place in the Lavarito Ultra 80k in Italy and then set, and then culminating with 17th place at CCC in UTMB in Chamonix but you did a few other little races as well so talk to us about that experience and what some of your favorite moments were they might not even be the races themselves like what were some of your favorite moments you took the family over and you were training and racing all over europe what seemed uh, <laughs> beautiful surroundings Tell yeah so, 
Tegan put the trip together and based our itinerary on places where there were little races or just places we wanted to go where there had been races, um, knowing that it would be easier to find trails and, and fun places to run rather than trying to figure out where you're going the whole time. Mm. Um, and it worked really well. Um, it's hard to do much quality training when you're moving around so much because you never know what you're going to come up against you know we spent some time in Andorra where you couldn't find a flat trail if you tried it was just like straight Mm. steep hiking straight out of anywhere um so racing was a really good way of getting some quality training on specific terrain um Yeah, and, and it was really fun because there's always people around and there were kids races on so we could include include the family in it um, and often there were different races on different days so we could both race um, and do different things <clears throat> um, I did a couple of Burt K races for the first time so they were really fun um, were they? <laughs> <laughs> they're really hard <laughs> they only, <laughs> only last less than an hour right so <laughs> You blow your heart out for a, for a short amount of time, but it's, you know, it's pretty safe because you're only going uphill. Yeah. Um, and so the load is is quite minimal. Um, and, yeah, just seeing what you're made of, really. And then you have to make your own way down, but you go as slow as you want. And, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, um, and some of the other, like, most memorable times, I guess, uh, you know, we took the boys hiking through the Dolomites um, we carried them on our backs for five days and just hiked from refugio to refugio and um, it was awesome. You know, we didn't have, we decided to leave the iPad home at home at the last minute. Um, we barely ever turned on a TV. They didn't really have that many toys. Like we had a few cars and things, but, you know, they just loved being outdoors and just doing different things. And, yeah, it was it was a really great experience. It uh, definitely had its challenging moments, but, um yeah, I think I think we we managed it really well. And yeah, how did you navigate? Like, I, I mean, you went to different countries. Did they speak English in most of those little places that you went, or not really? Like, how oh, did you some places, no, nah, not always. We spoke many different languages. I think we spoke like five or six different languages. Like, mm-hmm. um, we spent a lot of time in the Pyrenees in Catalan country. So often, um, like Tegan speaks fluent Spanish, but oh, often okay. we're in places that um, we spoke Catalan, which is completely. Yeah. Yeah, and so <laughs> yeah, it, it, but that's fun. That's always fun trying to navigate your way around that sort of stuff, and yeah, um, yeah, just showing the boys different cultures. And obviously, you know, Huxley's probably a bit too young to to remember it, but Addie <laughs> Addie keeps telling everyone that he's been to Europe for three months. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been to Europe for three months. The other day, he's wheeling his car. We were going to France, Mum, and he's wheeling his Huxley's room is France. And <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cute. <laughs> Oh, he was so cute though, because uh, you know, seeing him in his little bib doing some of these little races, like the kids' yeah. races, like yeah. so uh, he had a ball. And, and then we, I mean, we got to Chamonix, and he decided he didn't, didn't want to do the kids' race there. I think there was a bit too much pressure with our whole family there, perhaps. But um, yeah, yeah, they they gave Parks a chance to step up, so he, he had fun. <laughs> and do they like you know? I can imagine like you know, you said you you hiked like in the Dolomites for five days, staying at refugios. <laughs> Was there moments where they just were like crank and just did not want to go that day? Like, or were they pretty compliant? Like, I'm just thinking a three year old and a one year old on your backs carrying all your supplies, all your food, and all your clothes. <laughs> like, it could go wrong. Like, things could go wrong. It could look, 
on those days, no, they were totally. I think whenever we get them outside, they're totally fine. The only time they ever had big tantrums was when we were inside for too long. Like, yeah. you know, I still had to work. I still had to to coach and things. So yeah. there were days when, um, you know, we did have to be inside for a bit longer than we'd like. And, you know, toddlers are hard work sometimes. Babies mm-hmm. are easy. <laughs> toddlers are the hard ones. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we, we got through it. I think the hardest part was just not having um a break for so long um yeah. you, know, you don't have childcare and you don't have family support mm-hmm. um you know we tried to get a babysitter on a couple of occasions but i think that's the one thing that we might do differently if we did it again was just try and find a babysitter mm-hmm. um, a bit more often just so that we can have some time to ourselves or just mm-hmm. to, to have a bit of that mental break yeah um, but you know we 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 supported each other and we got there and yeah what's your favorite part of like traveling with the kids and doing the, these races and I mean obviously this is probably well this is the first time you've probably gone overseas with both of them together and done this kind of thing but what was your favorite thing about taking them along for the journey this time um, just sharing different cultures trying different foods you know um, just just not having the pressure of work and being a bit more present and spending time with them and you know, there's actually so many things to do with kids in in all these countries. You know, I, I guess your your outlook's different when you suddenly when you have kids and you you're looking for different things as well. But um, yeah, just trying new things and giving them different opportunities to do different stuff. Um, yeah, speaking different languages. You know, teaching them how to say hello in different languages. Um, yeah, just just showing them that there's more to the world than than these four walls in this house. That's right, and and being on screens and like I don't know, just making it was them really, global citizens, I guess. It was <laughs> yeah. really quite amazing. Like we we literally had planned to take the iPad, and as we were packing just before we left, we thought, actually, do we do we need this? No, if we ever get down to it, we've got our phone. Um, so we left it, and then yeah, we really were surprised at how much we didn't even rely on the TV. Like we just didn't need to. Yeah, they were really good. How's the um the immersion back into Australian life gone then? Have they been straight for the TV or have they forgotten all about it? I've realised how many toys they have in this house uh-huh. <laughs> and how many freaking cars they have in this house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been an explosion in my lounge room. But <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wow, I never knew I had this toy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite amazing. Like you just realise how little they actually need. Yeah. Um, and you come back and think, oh my god, this is just it's too much. Um, yeah, what you've what you've really yeah. taught them when you went there is invaluable, you know. And I know Hux is only a baby; he's going to not yeah. probably remember any of it. Yeah. And Addy, maybe he won't either because he's really <laughs> a baby too. But they can look back on photos and things, and you can tell you can keep telling them about the experiences yeah. that you had. And yeah, yeah I mean, it's just, and you'll probably this is probably just the starting point for you guys. I can imagine in terms of. This is like your norm now is traveling around with your kids. So we can make that work with work. You can make it work. I know. It's not I mean, it's like let's say it's a hard work to get over there and do all that. It doesn't just happen, you know. You have to plan for that. Um, but yeah, incredible. So let's talk about UTMB. Uh so that is like the pinnacle of any ultra runner's dream, really, to get to UTMB. Um, obviously you've been there a few times, as mentioned. Um, but this was your longest race. So since you had fallen pregnant for your first child. So 
how was the race? How did it unfold? And what were those moments like for you? You you had pretty good weather this year. For yeah. Your, for your yeah. race, for your race. <laughs> yeah, for my yeah. race. <laughs> yeah. We literally had um, like 30-degree heat the entire time. I hadn't worn pants in three months. And then <laughs> yeah. the week, it completely changed and it was horrendous for the earlier races for TDS. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was like thunderstorms lightning so much rain um yes. so but it it uh it all turned again and we're, it was really good for our race mm. um i had managed to get over there earlier in our trip um to do a recce of the course mm. um and it was really nice being in chamonix not in race week and a bit, bit more quieter and mm. um yeah just focused on on getting around the course so it was really nice um and so yeah then we got to chamonix and my whole family came and surprised me again which was nice um on i think i had a different person arrive each day of the week oh that's so cool <laughs> um and but it was also a bit nerve-wracking because um <clears throat> some of my family had been quite sick and oh, so no. they stayed in another house um because of it but because there was so much rain they would just come over and hang mm -hmm. out and so it was it's it's really it's really nerve-wracking when you've worked so hard for something and it can come down to that last few days. Um, you know, you look at Ruth, Ruth Croft, she worked so hard for that race and got sick the week before and, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the anxiety <laughs> level is up here. Going. You, like, masked up every time <laughs> they walked in the door. That's <laughs> oh, really hard. Your family's travelled all that way to see you. Like, you can't not hang out with them, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that 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 part was hard. Um Mm. But we, we stayed healthy and it was all good. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> the race started in Kumaya at 9 o'clock and um, initially I'd planned on mum and dad driving me over there um, so I didn't have to worry about waiting around for a few hours and things. But they'd had a lot of issues with the tunnel, with the Mont Blanc tunnel, um, and, like, they'd had to delay the TDS start by 45 minutes or something because people hadn't got there in time and they'd had to wave the buses through and, so in the end, I just thought it was safer to get the bus. Um, just if if anything went wrong, at least they would wave the buses through or hold the race. Yeah. Um, so I had to get a five forty five bus, and uh, <laughs> it was really annoying waiting around for a few hours. Yeah. Well, start, but it, it was fine, and at least I got there. And um, yeah, I had a really good start. My the aim for me was to try and run the whole way up to the the single track, which is about four and a half to five k. Um, and I did that and I got in a good position from the start. Um, and then we did, we couldn't see our crew until about 54K, I think. Um, and probably by that time I was starting to feel a little bit off. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why. I don't know if it was the heat. I don't think it was the altitude because I'd been living at altitude for the last three months. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just feeling a bit nauseous, and slowly the gels got fewer and fewer between. And I started with my with my boiled potatoes <laughs> um, at the aid stations, but I think maybe it was a bit too late as well. Um, reflecting on Lavarado, I'd been able to, I'd had the perfect race and perfect nutrition, and I think I'd been able to eat proper food a lot earlier on. So potentially that's something that I'd do differently now for next time. Mm. Um, but yeah, it just started it started feeling really nauseous, and when you can't eat, you've got no energy, and it makes it really hard to keep going. Mm. Um, but I'm pretty determined, so I just kept putting one foot in front of the other and um, getting a good hike on. Um, and between 
uh, Triant and Valacine, I found myself with an American girl and we were hiking at a similar pace. And then by the time we got to the top of the climb, we sort of kept leapfrogging and ended up working really well together. So we just sort of decided um, that we'd, we'd, we'd run together. And um, it's the first time I've really, really done that, I think, in a race. Um, and it worked really well for both of us and we overtook quite a few people and just found our flow. And that was despite me having not eaten really since the since the aid station. Mm. And um yeah, we ran into Valacine together, which is the last checkpoint. And um it all <laughs> didn't go so great from there. She she finished really strong and I um I just had to keep hiking. I, I found that section really hard. Mm. Um just again. Could you eat? Could you no, eat? I hadn't, I hadn't eaten for like eight hours or something. Yeah. What about like, could you even have like liquid nutrition? I had, I had some Coke. Yeah, Coke. <laughs> Coke at the oh, station. That was about it. And then, um, yeah, and then they changed the course slightly. So it was this this horrible little climb and really technical descent and then another climb up to the last aid station. And I'd, funnily enough, I'd done that exact course when I did well um, in, in 2017. But um, yeah, it felt a lot different this time. <laughs> so, uh, the, I mean, the the last day station came into the into sight, and then I just vomited my guts up. Um, um, and I've never done that before in a race either. <laughs> I've never vomited. Um, but I, I wish that had happened hours before because I finally felt good and had a strong finish. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so I came. I came seventeenth. Um, I set an ambitious goal of 13 hours um and in the end i think it was 1405 yeah um it's pretty amazing considering you hadn't eaten for like (laughs) half the race yeah (laughs) yeah so like whilst it wasn't the race i know that i could have had um i was still pretty happy to get top 20 um yeah as you said it's the longest race i've done in four years and i guess it's just remembering that you know anything can happen in an ultra and this is the this is the beauty of it. It's that, you know, getting through those different challenges that come mm. and remembering how to suffer and remembering, you know, in an ultra, you know, I think the key takeaway is that I, I really just need to eat some more real food. And that's what I tell all my athletes, but I, yeah. I, I need to, you can't always base that around where the aid stations are. You know, I think maybe yeah. I need to carry more on me in the start to start with. Yeah. Yeah, but it's quite amazing reflecting and listening to all the other Aussies, particular, particularly like so many people had issues with nausea and vomiting. Like yeah. so many. <laughs> Could have been the heat. Like you know, heat does funny things to our tummy. Um, I mean, even though you trained in the heat over there, as you said, you just don't know what's going to happen on the day. Yeah. And I think one thing I also think is that UTMB is such uh, a, a pinnacle race. Mm-hmm. That everyone puts so much into it and by the time you get there you're already on the edge you know there's not many other races that you train so hard for yeah um, and so it can go either way you just don't know but it's it's yeah. just knowing how to how to get through it and you know we had a lot of dns but we had a lot of finishes as well and mm-hmm. yeah i mean stress is stress right yeah. <laughs> on the body so you don't know what it's gonna do and like, it was amazing this year. There were so many Aussies over there. Yeah, so I actually I got some st- 
stats because um, I was so interested because we'd, we'd started up a little message group to keep everyone connected. Again, that's my, my little community. Yeah. Um, and it started off at, a, you know, we thought there was oh, maybe 20 people or so and it just kept growing and growing and more people kept adding and um, finally, yeah, I contacted the, the organisers and apparently we, we maxed out at 60 participants last year mm-hmm. and this year we had 265. Did we? Wow. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. I mean, I know just some local, like, group of local people that were over there. I was like, oh, wow, they're all over there. Like, I don't know. What do you think's changed in terms of the just more accessible? What What's what do you think is the reason? Um. Well, I think some of them were, were COVID rollovers, but that doesn't okay. account for all of them. I think it's just it is the pinnacle race. Like, it's now the World Series final. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, are really against Iron Man being involved, but you know it is a business, and it, they've done it really well. Whatever they're doing is working. You know, yeah. drawing people in. They've bought out a million different races, and um, you know the, the way the qualifying system works, you have to run some of their races to qualify. And you know, the way I look at it, it gives you different opportunities to travel to different places. Yeah. You know, some of our best memories are doing different races in different parts of the world and you know in places that you might not have gone to had there not been a race there and mm. uh, yeah whatever they're doing in their business model is working very well mm, 100% agree with that so for women listening that might want to do youth TMB one day what kind of advice would you give them in terms of training and I guess how what you know how to approach that getting to UTMB what yeah. advice would you give them from someone who's maybe just doing their, let's just say someone who's just done their first ultra, um, what advice would you give them if this is on their bucket list? Yeah, so I guess don't rush it is probably yeah. number one. Like yeah. it's, it's, a really, it's yeah. a really tough race. Lots of people want to go straight to the, the pinnacle of the actual 100-mile event, but it, it's full on. You want to get some experience under your belt racing yeah. longer distances and mountainous races first. Um, because you want it to be enjoyable. <laughs> you don't want it. You don't want to suffer through the whole thing. Um, you know, I, I did OCC, which is the 55K version, many years ago when Tegan did UTMB. And um, it was my first European race. And it was just a different world. I remember looking at my watch and there was no pace reading because I was going so slow. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it was a hiking race for me. Um, so mm-hmm. it's about, you know, challenging yourself, putting it in different different races and maybe doing some international shorter races first um and then you just really need to understand the qualifying system because it's it keeps changing and it's pretty confusing so making sure that you've got the utmb index to apply for the race that you want and then that you've got the running stones to apply, apply for the race that you want yeah. Um, yeah 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 i mean it's amazing but i agree with you like it's not going to happen next year maybe like let's think about the long game yeah um get some races under your belt and yeah agree go and do some shorter races in mountains i mean i don't think australia has mountains really that can prepare you as well for that kind of your race um and then yeah use that as the long game like use it to get there in the end and being flexible because you don't know when you're going to get in so you know it can be really disappointing when you don't get in but I, I strongly believe that everything happens for a reason and if you don't get in, maybe that's not meant to be that year. Maybe it's the world telling you that you need a bit more experience first and you'll be yeah. ready the following year. Yeah. 
In terms of your um, wanting to do Western States, what's happening with that now? Yeah, so I think I have an entry for next year. Um, So they were one of the first races to enable a pregnancy deferral. Um, And not just for one year, it was for three years. And then I was able to do it for for the second pregnancy. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so now I got my qualifier last week and um, and I should be good to go for next year. Oh, very exciting. As long as you don't fall pregnant again. (laughs) 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 No. (laughs) Uh, All right. So... At the end of each podcast, I like to do the hot lap. So it's just five questions that I've curated for you. Quick questions. So the first one is, what are your goals and aspirations for the future? So obviously, we just said you're going to do Western States. Anything else in the future that you want to tick off? I really have no idea, hey. So I think once that's over, I'll uh, have a good think about what's what's next. But, yeah, I, I actually have an entry because I did well at Leverator. I've got another entry for CCC next year. Um, I don't know if I'll go back. Um, you know, I've been there five times now. Um, and as I said before, I think lots of our best memories are just going to other random places. So um, it might be choosing something else just to go for a, for a holiday somewhere else. Yeah, you know, definitely use it to explore the world. <clears throat> yeah, hundred percent. Okay, can you offer some advice or tips for aspiring runners who hope to follow in your footsteps and pursue a career in professional running? I think the main thing is just to not take it too seriously and make sure that you've got balance in your life. You know, I, I, I think what's helped me do so well is to be busy and have multiple aspects to my life. I have a job. I have kids. I have. A, other community of non-running friends you know and yeah. just, you know you don't want to get stuck down the rabbit hole of you know if you get injured what then or if you yeah. don't you've got that there's nothing else to focus on so um yeah I think just not take it too seriously you know I my long runs are, are going out and exploring and taking photos <laughs> I don't you know I, it's funny when I go out with other people and they stop their watch every time you stop and you know it's not necessary it's not necessary to just go and enjoy yourself and, and just be out there that's what's going to help you do do well is by enjoying it and just having time on your feet yeah and your selfie game is strong I'll say yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> it's very good and I like that because I think you don't take yourself too seriously you know I love that about you is you just you're out there to have fun and enjoy it and be in nature and get time on your feet yeah. all right next question is what is your best travel tip for traveling with kids it's not the iPad obviously <laughs> I'm not against it but I just didn't need it no, um, no look I, one of the key things for us was spending time with other people so we didn't plan it that way but we a few different friends came and stayed along the way and it was such a great mental break for us um as well as just having the kids focus on someone else um yeah it was it it was really good yeah Mm, I love that sharing and sharing that experience with someone else you know it's nice it's nice to have that well, it's community yeah, it was, once again it's community it was, it was really good yeah uh what would you consider your running highlight of your running career yeah well as I said before probably UTMB mm-hmm. but but also winning some big races back here the UTA um yeah. 50 and 100 and and surf coast has always been pretty special as well are you guys going to be back at UTA next year not sure 
We'll see. Yeah. Sometimes I find it hard when I when I win a race and I do well. To go back. It's not necessarily a need to go back, but also sometimes I put too much pressure on myself to mm. go back. Well, if you've got athletes running, you could just go as a coach and be on the oh, side. Well, that's true. But also, I just remembered my sister's getting married that weekend. So, no, I won't be there. Okay, no, you won't be. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. What do you want to teach your kids through your journey? Um, I think just to, you know, the world's a big place and there's lots to explore and it's just about having fun and, and getting out there and trying your best and, yeah doing doing things that you enjoy yeah yeah absolutely and you guys do that so well well thanks for coming on the podcast where can people follow on your journey obviously uh you have your instagram also you guys have a business so plug away tell us where we can find out all about you guys uh yeah so we uh, so i coach through endurance edge um and we are the australian distributor for t8 products if anyone hasn't worn them they're amazing um, that's what I wear for all my ultras. Yep. Guaranteed chafe free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a pair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise you can follow me on, on Instagram as Kellemo. Um, I have a Facebook page, but I'm really terrible at updating it. So Instagram is the best place. <laughs> okay, well, I will make sure to put everything in the show notes so I can follow along the journey. I look forward to seeing what adventures you got in store coming up and especially next year as you prepare for Western States. Very exciting. Thanks, Kel. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you love this episode with Kelly Angel. What an inspiring woman and what a fantastic story. I hope this has inspired you to get outside and explore an adventure and maybe think about some things that you might be able to do with your family. You can find out more about Kelly over on her Instagram where she shares a lot, which is at Kelemo. And you can also head to her website, which is endurance.edge.com.au for all T8 run gear or coaching options. And I'll put links to both of those in the show notes. Thanks for joining me for another episode. I look forward to bringing these episodes to you. If you'd like to know more about Running Mums Australia, you can head to our website, which is runningmumsaustralia.com.au. We have links on there to our store and our podcast episodes past and also our 2023 RMA member program. And just a reminder that on December 1, our program for 2024 will be opening and I'm working on that behind the scenes. So if you have a brand partner or event partner you'd love for us to partner with, shoot me an email and I'll do my best to make that happen. I hope you are safe and well wherever you are and I'll speak to you next time.